Hello and welcome to another beautiful day. This is Lou Gerlach from Think Chat and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. Welcome to confession number 56, where we're going to focus on communication skills from the lens of the specialist and supporting teachers. Now, as we know, communication is a complex process. So how do we capture it in a specialist classroom or while receiving additional help with supporting teachers? Just like a homeroom teacher requires continual practice in new ways, so students can have those aha moments and make connections. This process will take years to develop, so it requires us to constantly chip away at it in our unique role. So when thinking of a specialist class, it's about making the vocabulary come to life in your context through visuals and experiences. And what does it mean to have form, you know, in PE, music, or visual arts? This will look completely different, but exploring the variables that affect form over again will help to reinforce this concept. As a supporting teacher, it's about getting students to use the language of learning at their level and slowly growing the learner's capacity and access. Your work is often repetitive and we appreciate you so much because it's those small group sessions that you just help these young learners to make connections and develop their communication ability that really matters. So we just thank you so much. And just a reminder, my friends, that there are things that we can do as specialists and supporting teachers to lay the groundwork on how we can develop these communication skills. Here's some tips from the IB of how to take care of that. So we plan opportunities for students to practice and apply these skills in meaningful contexts. So we set the parameter of what the language is going to look like in an activity, let's say in music. And then we have children practicing that language within the context of that learning situation. We provide time for students to plan and prepare communication activities. That's important where we're allowing them to explore language and communication through your individual context. Encourage students to consider potential challenges and opportunities arising from shared ideas. This is simply, we don't always agree. And so how do we deal when conflict arises? How do we accurately and concisely deal with these differences? Encourage physical cues. How are we understanding the nonverbal communication that someone is exhibiting so that we can respond accordingly? Encourage communication using different languages. This is where the strength of the primary language comes forward, especially with our supporting teachers. Ask open-end questions. So a lot of opportunity for explanation can come about. Put thinking ahead of knowing. And this is something that I see a lot with um, both of your roles, that you're trying to get skill development. You're trying to build up to the next level. And instead of focusing on, oh, are you a master at playing dodgeball? It's more of how are you coming and what's your thought process about this? 
have informal conversations where children are able to demonstrate communication, but in a low-stress way. And then encourage students to explore a variety of perspectives and modalities. This is so perfect with both of your roles because it's all the variations of how to play team sports, for instance, in PE. That allowing different modalities will help students to be able to discover the way that they work best. So we're going to zoom in to one of those subskills like I mentioned before and that we've been analyzing prior. And we're going to look at that criteria. And as I was looking at communication, you know, there's a lot about reading and writing. That might not necessarily apply to everyone's context. So I chose one that's different um, that I think can apply to every one of us, which is ICT, which is another way for informational technology, right? So looking at media and looking at um, information in a different way through your roles, I think is doable. So that's why I chose this one. So let's take a closer look. So understand the impact of media representations and modes of presentation. So in your classes, students are eager to show always what they know, right? The academic rigor in your learning situations is the same, but the way it's presented can be more accessible to learners. And that, because it's just a different way, you know, when we're doing um, a specialist classes and also if we're doing push in or pull out groups, that's just going to look different. And it allows the learners to gain different skill sets. And so when we're engaging with these learners, how are we getting them to access and understand media messages through your course or through your lens? I think this would be fascinating, to be honest. And for some reason, you know, I don't know why, but a video in my mind is popping up the effects of health and weight management. Maybe that's because that's a goal of mine. But can you imagine in PE, you're talking about health and fitness, right? And eating, having a, eating a proper diet. And it's amazing how powerful images or a video can motivate and also clarify misunderstandings and what it means to be healthy. I don't know about you, but the kids in my school think a bag of hot chips um, and a, and donuts at lunch is healthy as long as they eat a sandwich and an apple first. And is it? No, it's not. And But that's their context. If I eat a little bit of healthy, normal food, then the junk will kind of balance out. And so having opportunities outside of the homeroom experience, showing them different iterations through media is a powerful tool that you can provide to the learning context. And when they are able to have these aha moments, this is another thing. Do they get to present their ideas to the group somehow? So I'm thinking of like in a science lab, if they're learning about the difference between a mixture and a solution by doing media research and, you know, conducting experiments, how can they show what they know to the rest of the class? Because then that might create another aha moment for another child who's struggling. So 
how are we getting children to be co-presenters of the learning experience? Once again, back to agency. That's a lot. Woo-wee. So let's move on to the next one. Make informed choices about modes of communication based on the audience. So this, I think, to be honest, would be the perfect topic for the ICT or the computer teacher. I'm not saying that you can't do it in other classes, but it would be easier if everyone had access to a computer, right? The teacher, I'm just thinking of a, a situation where we're in the computer lab and, you know, the teacher is presenting a topic on various ways, various ways that we communicate and how that looks and feels for an audience and have students provide feedback on the tools that you're presenting to them. Like, does it resonate with you? And why does it resonate with you? And what would be, and, you know, go through like a week of just showing various iterations of different images, um, music, clips, you know, videos, uh, YouTube shorts, all these things of that are related to the context of your unit. And then think, hmm, you know, and, and talk to your students about which one resonates with you. And what would be really fascinating is having them capture that data somehow and creating a graph so that they could analyze, okay, what types of media resonates most with us? So wouldn't that then be the case that when we're creating a message, that's what's going to resonate with our audience? Big aha for me. So think about this as a process that can be repeated with various activities, right? So that we can identify those patterns and preferences throughout the year. This type of experience creates generalizations in the minds of our learners. And, you know, as they're doing this graphing data and analyzing the data, you know, presentations in the fall, and then they do it in the winter, and then they do it in the spring, then generalizations are building up in the mind of what are the different tools that are appropriate for different types of topics or different types of learning situations, and how can I pivot it so that I can maximize my message? Woo-wee! That's a lot. And yes, that can be done with first graders. Woo-wee! Okay, and then the final one is communicate information and ideas effectively to multiple audiences using a variety of media modalities. To be honest, I feel like that one is kind of evident. Um, Like, what does that look like, right? All teachers can use this as a vehicle for creating effective messages. It's all about showing a variety of communication strategies and tools that we can use to transfer to a new learning situation. That's it. So, you know, this is always our goal. How do we arm our kids so that they can do, right? Not for us to preach or not for us to lead the learning, but for them to take it and run with it. So it's about being intentional about how we use these multimodal strategies as a daily practice to provide repeated exposure. It's that simple, my friends. So you'd think communication was easy. 
Heck no. It's been really difficult. But you know what? I love when I am being pushed to think in a different way. If you notice in this series, I changed up ATLs um, because of ones that were more appropriate to different roles. There's so many possibilities, and I would honestly love to hear your ideas on my Twitter at ThinkChat2020 and LinkedIn at Luke Gerlach. So have a blessed day. I'm so happy to be here with you, and I know that as you practice these communication skills in your role, your students will only get better and they'll love you for it. Thank you.